Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi, everybody. This is Script Shop. It's a podcast where we talk about scripts. Hi there. My name is Jack, and I am astounded that technology is working in our favor right now. Yes. Hi, everybody. This is Allison. Welcome to Script Shop. Uh, I'm I'm not astounded by anything right now. I'm like very cautiously <laughs> optimistic that everything's going to work out. We got like a couple plates spinning as we're introing we the show here. We do. And I'm just waiting for, like it's the pessimist in me that's waiting for mm-hmm. the next shoe to okay, drop. Okay, you know what? This is why we're a good team. Because these plates spinning, uh-huh. to me, means that things are moving forward. They're okay. happening the way they're supposed to happen. Yes, comfort me, please. Yes, and it's going to be okay because even if the plates crash, then... You know what? We'll have a mess to clean up. That's fine. <laughs> That'll just give us more things to do. Well, we can hold hands and do it together. <laughs> that's the power of editing, too. That's so true. If things do, if the bottom does fall out. So, listeners, snip, snip. if this show sounds perfect, then you know that everything got fucked up. <laughs> right, the magic of editing. That's right. It'll sound or or we're just amazing today. Yeah. Well, gosh, it's a real high risk, high reward it. situation. Well, welcome to Script Shop, the podcast where we talk to screenwriters yes. about their scripts and their screenplays and their projects and why they did them and what it means and why they loved this project and they're the only people in the whole world who have could have possibly written it. Yes, we are uh, available on various social media platforms. If you'd like to connect and engage with us, uh, Twitter. Instagram and Facebook, uh, look up Script Shop Show, and you can find us on there uh, offering up various forms of communication and content. Yes, content where mostly Jack and Frank make fun videos. So if you Mm. haven't caught any of those, please check them out. Make sure to tweet at us what your favorites are, because I definitely have some of my favorites and should probably start resurfacing those for you guys. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you are interested in supporting us, you can get on to Patreon.com, look up Script Shop, and throw some buccaronis our way. You can also, if you don't have any buccaronis, to Mm. spend at the Rony store. (laughs) Or even buccarinos. We're we're a multi- genre <laughs> currency acceptor if you don't have any buccaronis or buccarinis mm-hmm. then you can leave us a review uh, on itunes facebook i don't amazon yeah sure that would be fun wouldn't it <laughs> just go on amazon and just pick some product to start telling everybody yep. like why why you like us script shop so much <laughs> pick up some cookbook somewhere We're and ex- just start unloading <laughs> on them about jack and allison <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So today for scripts, because that's what we do do on the show is talk about scripts. I know I said doo-doo. We're just going to keep plowing right on through it. Ignore it. Move through. Move through it. Uh, It's a script by a couple of guys. It's called Beyonce Anonymous, a a very concise comedy. It's a short. Yep. A five-page short that proves you can do great comedy within an effective and efficient amount of time. Mm -hmm. It's a therapy group comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And we will get into it later because, of course, the title says a lot about what it actually is. Yes. And I like the title. I like the sounds that one makes when you're saying the words Beyonce Anonymous. I think that's... Beyonce Anonymous. Beyonce's from Texas. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. But I I think I did know that Beyonce has an uncle named Beyonce. 
Really? I think so. Is she named after him? Well, it's an uncle. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe our writers today know. They might. Our writers today are Christian Schulte and Conrad LeBron, uh, who sent us uh, this uh, funny script. And it's a produced piece. It is. Which so we'll is get great. To, we'll get to talk to them about the production process and kind of how that went throughout it as well. Mm-hmm. Are we... Let's jump right in. Uh, we're kind of there, right? Yeah, we, I guess we did that. Hold on. We check in. Uh, I mean, not to act like you're the babysitter or anything here, Frank, but you kind of are. Uh, did we? Uh, did we do everything we're supposed to? Pretty much. Um, <laughs> the only thing I would add is that mm-hmm. uh, we love to hear um, yes. about your scripts, so ah, yes. you should send them in to us at scriptshopshow.com slash submit. All right. Straight from the mouth of Frank. Frank got us on that one. Thank you. All right. Let's go to the guys. Let's uh, check in with the fellas. Uh, Conrad and Christian. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hi. How are you? What's going on, guys? This is working so far. I'm pretty happy about it. Isn't it amazing when technology works the way you want it to? Oh, it's so scary. It like uh, scary like robots might actually come out of my toaster in the middle of the night. Scary. It's scary like I'm oh, on a geez. I'm on a yeah. That, it's not that kind. That's a very specific scary. This is more like like I'm on a motorcycle on a high wire somewhere and like and you don't know it. I'm riding it and things seem to be going okay, but geez, man, there's a lot of room on either side and I don't know. We'll see. We should probably just stop talking about it or we're gonna jinx it. <laughs> That's very good advice. <laughs> So you guys are actually calling us from two different coasts, one in California and one in New York. So that brings up the first question, how the hell do you two even know each other? That's a good question. That is a really good question, especially because I'm actually from the other <laughs> side of the world. Probably like the direct opposite side of the planet from where Christian's from, right? Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's an accent for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My uh, Midwestern accent or his? <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound normal. We're in Cincinnati oh, okay. for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm the one who sounds abnormal. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm from Australia. Yeah. Christian's from Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And um, I, <laughs> and we met in New York, but now I live in L.A. Okay, so why don't you guys tell us what the journey was from each of your homes to New York? And yeah. also, if there's a meet-cute story, I want to know it. <laughs> well, um, I, I moved to New York uh, right after I graduated from the University of Michigan. Uh, where I got a theater and an English degree. And uh, it was always kind of New York for me. Um, Other people were thinking about Chicago. Other people were thinking about uh, Los Angeles. Uh, But for me, it was always New York. uh, And I I was just speaking with uh, my best friend when I moved out here, why it was just New York. Uh, But from what I had heard and from people who had already gone out there, it was a place where you could really collaborate with other like-minded people. And everyone has such an incredible work ethic and just has this unbelievable um, capacity to uh, to create and to inspire and to stick together. And I really liked that that vibe. And that's kind of what brought me into New York. And what about you, Conrad? Uh, I came to visit and I went to L.A. and I spent time in New York and I wanted to scope out where it was I wanted to be based. It was always my plan to move to America since I was a kid to pursue acting and um I felt at home in New York instantly. And so it wasn't an intellectual decision. It was just more instinctive. And after four years in New York, I couldn't do another winter. So here I am in sunny (laughs) L.A., which is much more what I'm used to. And then how did you guys meet when you were actually in New York? We uh, actually met at work. We both uh, did the model cater waitering. Uh, yes. and which is actually where I met some of my best friends that I have today 
was was back then um, waiting for the rich and famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's some talented people in cater waitering. I mean, just no seriously. Be nice to your waiter. Be nice to your waiter. Once I was at yeah. a, a cater waiter event in Brooklyn, and the musician for this wedding didn't show up, and the wedding planner was freaking out, and I was like, "There's probably like." Three musical theater actors yeah. in our staff. Why don't you ask one of them to play the piano <laughs> yeah. and sing? And she went, oh. And I was like, duh. Yeah, you got a deep bench. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Mm. Yeah. Serveouts are the least of the talents that I saw from the people who worked, <laughs> who I worked with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, uh, obviously maybe uh, Party Down is a show that you guys are fans of? Oh, my God. Actually, that was a little too emotional for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was too close to home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that show Couldn't is. Couldn't deal. It's a show about people. It's, 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 Fred Savage wrote it sort of based on his life a little bit like after the Wonder Years ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's about a bunch of cater waiters that are just wow. trying to make it. It's really funny. Oh, mm. man. And Comrade and I always had sketch ideas, too, about cater waitering. And it still just felt too close to, to home <laughs> to even produce. PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a few years ago. And then what was it that got you guys starting to work together? Uh, I think it was just a shared ambition and appreciation for this work and acting and also producing, writing. Um, We had similar ideas, similar tastes. And yeah, it was just a natural progression, really. And Conrad produced uh, a a web series about three years ago. It was shot three summers ago. And um, he brought me on as a producer. And it was a story about three... um, transplants to New York who were finding their way. And it was uh, an inspirational comedy based on true stories. And I was brought on as a producer. And then eventually I was also brought on as a, um, as a, a co-star, a guest star. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really the first instance of us working together closely. And when you find people who you can work with who are you know just on the same wavelength and who you don't have to explain a lot of things to back and forth, um, it, you kind of lock in with those people because it's just so easy and so much fun. Man, I hear that. I know that Jack, Frank, and I work on the same projects all the time, and it's <laughs> <laughs> let's just all do an imaginary like shot together. Yeah, right. Yeah, clink. Yeah, you get each other through those those valleys. Yeah, mm. the highs well, and the lows. Well, and you see that so mm-hmm. much in in the industry uh, over decades and decades. You know, uh, Kevin Smith sort of has a stable of people that he likes to work with. Steven Soderbergh has a certain number of people that he likes to work with. Like the, the, mm-hmm. in terms of like content creators, you want to if you establish a good connection with professionals and you have a good time when you're doing the work, you you want to do it again. Especially working in comedy too, comrades sense of humor is almost identical to mine. He finds the exact same things funny that I do. And so finding the funny with a, a creative partner like that is a blast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does not feel like work. Well, so was the web series, what was that called actually? It was called Then That Happened. Then That Happened. Yeah. Mm. Was that the first like actual big project the two of you worked on together? Yeah, I actually, no, I was cast in uh, a little spot on Christian's web series before that, like the year before that. Oh, cool. Um, uh, yeah. And so that was probably, and that was a very limited kind of experience. You know, I only had half a day of shooting, but, um, yeah, I, I feel like then that happened was definitely the time where we, you know, we're in the trenches together. <laughs> and what do you, what do you guys think it is about you that makes you be able to like act and then write and produce and direct instead yeah. of just doing one, you're kind of doing it all. 
You're like, what makes you think that you're entitled to do this? How dare you? <laughs> That's what's amazing about New York is that it. when I moved to New York, I thought I am an actor and that is all that I do. And you find that you're capable of so much more and you surround yourself, hopefully you surround yourself with people who, you know, push you to to step outside of what's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, that's kind of what I, I found as I journeyed through New York. You know, I never, you know, I thought, oh, I, I'm not a writer. That's not what I do. But then you get talking and you get thinking and you start writing notes and you're like, oh, actually, maybe, maybe I am. And so it kind of starts with a, a little maybe and then you follow it up with action and people who are pushing you to to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also born out of a necessity to create. Rather than just being actors who are sitting waiting for the phone to ring, we want to we want to create opportunities for ourselves and for others and writing, producing, directing, whatever it is, it 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 still allows us to express that that creativity. Mm-hmm. And when your friends are as talented as ours, then it's kind of easy. Right. Yeah, I mean, our friends, they're ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you're almost, you're almost obligated at some point, right? <laughs> right. And it's a lot more inspiring and it's a lot more motivating than waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. 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 You guys are just speaking straight to my heart on that. I, I completely understand that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it gives you a sense of motion, too. You're, you're moving towards something in a city, in a place, in a career, in an industry that depends so greatly upon what, what you're going to go and get because no one's going to bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking of like a not to be like a, the food metaphor guy, like I, I I am in my head all the time. But it's it's the difference almost between saying, "Hey, we're just going to make this meal at home" instead of going to some restaurant and hoping that somebody's going to seat you. And it's better, right? Yes, yeah. it's always better. It's, it's more fulfilling often. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can wear your I mean, pajamas. Not- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like Comrade and I are doing right now. I'm sure there's no dress code. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's talk about your project, Beyonce Anonymous, some. Where, where did this come from? Yeah. Well, our little group, it's um, our friend Jimmy and Conrad and I. Well, Just I mean, I think the two shame. of them. Just name and shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's getting thrown under the bus here. Um, <laughs> they're the biggest Beyonce fans on the planet. And they... I totally brought me on, and I have been off the wagon since 2013. <laughs> <laughs> so, so full-blown Bayhive. Beehive. It's Beehive. Oh, yeah, pronounced Beehive. <laughs> like, That's it. Just putting my ignorance right the out there on Front really Street now. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, the script it's we have. need to catch up, Jack. I know. Sorry. <laughs> the script we have is Beyonce Anonymous, which is a therapy group for people who have an addiction to Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the script, we kind of sniff out that there's a member in the group who is actually has an addiction to Rihanna, and we end up getting <laughs> yeah. some kind of conflict out of that. That's right. She's she found herself uh, behind enemy lines. Uh, she is she's way out of her depth. She's in the wrong room, and um, it's life or death. It is life or death. I think. And it's very interesting too because we had our girl who is behind enemy lines. She was uh, currently just came or when the script was beginning she came in at the very end of the script and um after the first draft 
uh, Comrade and I were sitting together and he said, no, she has to be in the room from the beginning. Let's make her sit through all of this mm-hmm. tension and yeah, all of this, raise this anxiety. Mm-hmm. So you guys have two people in your life who have Beyonce addictions and you just thought, well, did this come out of a joke where someone said you're so addicted to Beyonce or like how did it form from just having these people in your lives to being the story for this script? Well, I think that that part of it was all of the stories that you read about um, about how just larger than life she is and how um, her following has just become so <laughs> kind of crazed about everything that she does. You know, Beyonce's earring rips out. Someone rips an earring out of their own ear. Um, <laughs> you know, it, like from the from the, the I've never heard that. That's, cr- that's oh, insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I was actually at a concert uh, two days ago. <laughs> For her, and uh, I saw a shirt that said "I bit Beyonce." Um, so I mean, <laughs> wow. it's just kind of—it's—it's—it's uh, it's a lot. It's very oh, extra. So you God. were at a show two days ago. So you're nowhere near being on the wagon at all. Oh no, I—I'm very well. It's—it left me a long time ago. <laughs> he's not, he's not sober. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting the idea of comparing like just her ubiquity and how you know she is so big and famous and recognizable and taking that ubiquity and comparing it to things like alcohol or or drugs that that really works as a as a premise I think. Yeah, definitely. I think the um the premise is uh is really strong. I think that the the way that people speak about her, behave about her um when they see her especially, it's it, it can be likened to someone who has a, a very serious addiction. <laughs> so are, are there elements of this, the, this meeting that's in this script uh, that sort of do fall in line with uh, support groups and, and anonymous meetings and that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Have either of Go you ahead, ever Tom. gone to like a therapy support group? I have uh, not personally, no. I, I kind of have. I was actually hired as an act. This is a little... Strange, but I was hired as an actor for a support <laughs> oh, sure. group, and no one in the group knew I was an actor. It was a so I got to yeah, I did get to experience that. But other than that, I haven't luckily had to go to a support group. What was this thing where you got hired to be an actor? In yeah, a- you were <laughs> oh a God. you were a plant. <laughs> Overshare. Uh, oh yeah, it was for um a producer friend of mine was producing an unscripted TV series and shooting a little pitch sizzle. Uh, for a trailer for the the series for the pitch and um they she needed to have certain reactions and vulnerabilities and certain things expressed during this session that she couldn't rely on actual addicts to convey necessarily on the day so uh she hired a couple of actors to infiltrate (laughs) the um the the session, but the people running the session knew about it. So it was all above board. There was okay. no, nothing insidious and definitely nothing. Um, you know, we weren't absolutely taking the Mickey out of it at all. It's, you know, it's very serious and they do amazing work, but, um, we, and that's why I wanted to help because I want this show to, you know, help. I want to help this show lift off the ground and be seen by people and their work be shared. You definitely sound hesitant to tell us about that. <laughs> I want to know everything about this now. That's, I mean, I don't know how common or insane that is. That sounds nuts. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, reality TV, right? That's yeah, all. right. But, <laughs> but also, too, when you look at this, when you look at the script and you and you look at the jokes in the script, they could be 
anywhere. You know, you yeah, couldn't yeah. have this uh, in any location. You could have this on a, a couch or in a coffee house. But we thought, how funny would it be and how much would it raise the stakes if they're all, you know, in a support group that's very tense and very dramatic that we set with, you know, with tone and with, you know, the actors and the the way that they interpreted each of the characters uh, in a very, very real way. You know, we we didn't take it, you know, you know, if all of the actors, if all of the characters are taking this very, very seriously, then it will raise the stakes completely. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. That's what I mean. When you really sell it in a real serious way, that absolutely makes it funnier. I totally agree. And the only one I can think of is Carol, who uh, who is brilliant. She was the um, the sixty year old woman who played Michelle, and she was absolutely hysterical. We almost couldn't get through the the takes because we kept we kept laughing she was completely <laughs> fine she was brilliant well so since yes. this is a produced uh, short already and you guys have uh, shared with us where it's at we can do you want to would you mind if we played it and heard this play out uh, the words that you guys wrote down and hear it all play out here on the show absolutely not shut it down <laughs> <laughs> this interview is over <laughs> all right we'll, oh, yeah. be, we'll be right back over. with you guys in just a few minutes yeah here we go All right, everyone. Uh, thank you all for coming uh, to our emergency meeting here, our uh, fellowship group for those of us with the addiction, just trying to keep each other sober. Uh, anybody new here? Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca. Um, hey. Uh, so I've had this illness for about four years, and I recently fell off the wagon, and um, I want to get back on. Thank you, Rebecca, for sharing. I want you to know uh, you are in a safe space. <laughs> okay. Um, how was everybody else's week? Hi, I'm Greg. Hi, Hi Greg. Greg. It's hard not to tune it out when temptation is everywhere. Hi, I'm Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi. I can't go past a bar without that temptress trying to lure me in. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Dave. Hey, Dave. Part-time firefighter, but a full-time dad. And it's still the driving with me, you know? I can't drive unless I have it. So it's just pretty hard to get anywhere. So how'd you get here today, Dave? I walked, Jack. No, what do you think I did? Uh, I went to Goliath's house over here, and then I hopped into his dad's Mack truck, and then he pulled me here. Isn't that what you did? Tell him that's what you did. You have a spot, Dave. Laura. Hey. I couldn't even go a whole weekend without my roommates doing it at a party. And you know it's at every party. Hi, Michelle. We know. We know. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> Today, I was still boiling from the album of the year snub. I mean, what the fuck does she have to do? (laughs) Anyways, I finally got myself out of the house and I was trolling through the nuts section at Whole Foods when I ran into my friend Kim, who told me I look like one of Destiny's children, which you know is a a trigger for me. (laughs) Last week, I threw an impromptu baby shower, you know, for the twins. 
And my son Green thought it was my way of telling him that he was gonna be an older brother. And he comes up to me and he's all excited and he's like, Daddy, Daddy, double blessings. And I had to tell him, no, this isn't about you. Oh my God. This is about her. And then my wife came in and she's all like, what the fuck, Dave? I can't even watch Rachel Ray anymore without trolling her fans on Twitter. It's Roy. Rachel Roy. Okay, I've got one. When she won the Video Vanguard Award last year and Drake professed his love to her on stage, I flipped out and I bought a one-way ticket to Barbados with my dad's credit card. I'm sorry. Now let's get in formation. We have all done terrible, unspeakable things when we have been dehydrated. Uh, I'm sorry, did you just say bee-hydrated? According to the Urban Dictionary is the physical condition when you haven't heard or seen any new activity from Beyonce. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> One time when I was dehydrated, I listened to the Dangerously In Love album. But that album doesn't even show up for prowess in other genres. Jesus, Laura, get your shit together. I was heavily medicated, Dave. Wait a minute. This is a Beyonce anonymous support group? Duh. I thought this was the Rihanna meeting. <laughs> What did you say your name was? Rebecca. It's Becky! My hair ain't even that good. Rihanna Anonymous meets on Tuesdays. You gotta go, girl. Fine. Guys, that's very funny. That's fun. <laughs> so the, la the last joke there is a visual, though. We do throw lemons at her. Yeah, on her way out the door. And the Beyonce <laughs> and the, hand flip. Yeah, they're doing the, the mm -hmm. single ladies wave at the end. There. It's a lot of subtle references, yes. <laughs> For Beyonce lovers all over the world. I wonder. And if I have to tell you, I would be remiss not to tell you that uh, Conrad did come up with the term behydrated and submitted it to the Urban Dictionary and they accepted it. No <laughs> kidding! <laughs> Uh, Language wow. lives the level on. That we're on. That's a whole other yeah. show. Good. That's we amazing. Have you guys back on for a sequel to talk about that? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been wine involved. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it's good. That's where the best things come from sometimes. Yeah. yeah. What's the percentage yeah. of things submitted to the Urban Dictionary where alcohol's not involved? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the idea of skits and sketches versus like other long series of writing. So I would consider this a sketch. Do you guys agree with that? Or do you have a different definition of like how you would define this piece of work? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So um, when I was beginning to think of writing something, 
Um, I have always loved comedy uh, and I felt like I was being pulled in a, a comedic direction. And uh, Comrade and I actually just collaborated on, you know, a quirky idea that we had and uh, and produced it. And it was just, you know, kind of a one off. But I actually really liked it and I really liked the process. So I ended up writing about, um, you know, 10, 12 like sketch episodes. And uh, I brought that to my business partner, who is the, the founder and CEO of MFM Transmedia, uh, which is where I'm the, the director of production. And I brought this to her and we were in the very early stages of our production company, uh, which is based in the West Village. And I said, this is something that I, I think would do really well as kind of like our first foray into original content because we do you know digital marketing videos and all that. And um, it was a really great opportunity for us to learn and for us to put something put something up. And it was the first time that I had written anything. So um, yeah, I think sketch comedy in particular is having a really interesting moment. You know, you can date it back as as far as you want, but um, you know, Dave Chappelle and Amy Schumer and Kean Peel and The Kroll Show and the yeah. the filmed uh, segments on SNL were very integral to this show happening, which is called uh, Misconnections. Right. So, yeah, this is part of a larger series, Misconnections. Where did that title come from? Other than the obvious kind of, Misconnections on Craigslist. Mm. <laughs> yes, it's it's not that. Um, but uh, it, it was kind of born out of all of the the funny and all of the comedy that comes out of life's mis, you know, misconstruments. I don't even know if that's a word. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, all of life's misconnections, but also the fact that we're all just kind of speaking at one another and no one's really listening, uh, especially when it comes to social media and when it comes to, you know, um, spouting your, your beliefs and your, you know, your political beliefs and your, um, so this was kind of my idea for how we can all come to the table and have a conversation. And so whether or not, you know, so if Beyonce Anonymous doesn't speak to you, then maybe the marriage license, which deals with gay marriage or uh, politically correct, which deals with a, an environment that is, you know, just infested with political correctness. If you like it, if you don't like it, regardless, you can start a conversation. Do you tend to write things that have a social conscience to them? I guess so. <laughs> I, I didn't really set out with that, uh, with that goal in mind to, you know, create social statements. But, um, so much of what, you know, we're surrounded by, especially in the, you know, the last two, three years, uh, is, was very, uh, important to me. And it was also important to the, the writing process. And it was, it, I felt like I had something to say on each of the issues that I spoke to. So, uh, absolutely. In answer to your question. When you guys were writing and producing this, how much did real world like current events affect things? Are, is, is there a sequel now that the Carters did ape shit or like the, the Vogue takeover that's going that's either going to be happening or happening already, depending on when people are listening to this show? It's what? such a relevant question, Jack, <laughs> because when we originally we actually shot this, we shot an original version to this before the, the result, the this this sketch you've seen and we um we had a reshoot and it it was a technical issue but we when we reshot it was perfect because Beyonce is so relevant all the time <laughs> I don't know what it is about her but she just keeps coming out with something or doing something that seems to change the game yeah. and uh it was just after the Grammys uh when she 
lost out to Adele for album of the year. Um, so Adele won over Beyonce's Lemonade. And we thought, oh my God, this is even more relevant and perfect. Let's make this more uh, immediate and urgent and make it right after like an emergency meeting after the Grammys, after her mm. loss. Oh yeah. I get it. Yes. And yeah. when we originally filmed it in November uh, and then we filmed it again in February, she hadn't um, come out with the news of the pregnancy with her mm -hmm. twins. Cool. So that was a whole another element that we got to add to that. I'm sorry. Well. I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot <laughs> about that too. Yeah. She will never forgive you. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> You know, I noticed, too, that listening through this, there's some differences in the dialogue in the final production versus what we read originally in the script and what listeners could read if they're looking at the script on our site. So um, how did you guys manage some of those small changes? Did the actors come up with them? Did you write new things? Um, what was that like during production? Well, like Conrad said, um, the, the whole entity of Beyonce is always evolving, especially <laughs> right now. Um, so... Some of those changes were made um, because we were filming three months later and there were things that we had to cover. <laughs> and if we filmed it again today, it would be completely different. Right, more stuff. Uh, but, but also, we, I really wanted to allow, and Comrade directed this, um, and he wanted to allow the space for us to uh, improvise. And as a writer, I was all for that as well, and I love to improvise when, I, when I'm doing my acting. And, um, and so we, we wanted to give our characters space to discover and uh, I'm comrade, you can speak to that as well. Oh yeah, I, I love, as an actor directing, I love allowing actors to do their thing and bring their choices and, um, and play. And I think it's really important for directors to allow that sometimes. I may have a vision and an idea about how I want it to go, but ultimately it's a collaboration. And to allow improvisation and you know, moments for actors to go off script and just ad lib, can produce some real magic. And ultimately it did, you know, some of it made the final cut. So I was really happy with that. Yeah. So now here uh, is, is Beyonce a gateway drug? Like Beyonce leads to Ariana Grande, which leads to Lady Gaga. This, <sighs> this is your brain on Miley Cyrus. Any questions or, or is she like a, like a you know, a, a, a final stage sort of addiction? Oh, this is as high as we go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is as bad as it gets. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all—it's all about making fun of pop culture and and how serious we take things, and especially how much we idolize, you know, certain superstars or pop stars. Um, yeah, I, it, this was definitely just centered around Beyonce, and we obviously highlighted the feud that exists between Beyonce fans and. Rihanna fans, and it's so disappointing because why can't you just have multiple successful right, female you love artists? Them both? <laughs> right, of course you can. Of course you can. And you know, Rihanna is is very talented and hugely successful. And uh, yeah, but obviously, just making light of that and playing on that, um, and people understand that because it's so relevant. And we also understand divisiveness, you know, especially right now. <laughs> so you know, so really, kind of playing up that divide. Um, was a lot of fun, but in no way was it a, a dig at Rihanna. I feel yeah. like a Rihanna anonymous group would maybe be a little bit more fun. I don't want to like speak heresy what here. What do you mean? I feel like a Rihanna, a Rihanna anonymous group, which is also really fun to say, would be a... Jack, we were getting along so well. <laughs> yeah, why? It's twice now. Wow. wow. <laughs> Sorry, man. I feel how I feel. But what... Well, maybe you need to write that, Jack. Maybe you need to write that one, Rihanna Anonymous. Well, we can maybe do a collabo here uh, once the show. We can talk about that. <laughs> I like that idea. Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it'd be the, the, the pop star anonymous cinematic universe. It'd be great. Yeah. 
you know, oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a lot You're of fodder, let me tell you. <laughs> let the marvel, you know. Do you guys think this level of celebrity is new? Like I could I can think of people in the past, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, who who had such status as celebrities, but with social media being the way it is, people can get really intimate with their celebrities now. Do we think this kind of addiction to celeb is new? I definitely don't think it's new, but I think technology has made it a lot more, oh. um, a lot more intimate, and a lot more consistent, Full uh, and, with and very accessible. Yeah, and obsessive too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Refresh, 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 no. refresh. Yeah, yeah, right. Like exactly. Conrad, how many Beyonce accounts do you follow on Instagram? <gasps> That's a good right. question. Calm down. There's actually just the one. All right. Really? You can put that on record. That's on record. I follow just Beyonce. <laughs> There's no other Beyonce accounts I follow. <laughs> Impressive. What's your favorite Beyonce songs, videos, stories? I was looking up some of the conspiracy theories around Beyonce online in preparation wow. for this. Do you guys have any faves? In preparation yeah. for this. Do a lot of show prep. Well, I'm glad to hear you've done your research. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've been a fan of Beyonce for quite some time. I've seen her live multiple times. She actually picked me out of the crowd and <gasps> sang to me once. What? In Australia, in my hometown. Oh, my goodness. And she gave me her sweat towel. <laughs> <laughs> which, which your mom lost. Yeah, Wait, which I left what? in my mom's place. Since I've been back, no, oh it's God, missing. Oh, God, her sweat towel. Your no. mom lost it? Yeah, I'm not talking to it. her anymore. <laughs> We're not talking. Oh. <laughs> so, but in, in response to your question, I digress. I'm sorry. Um, I think I've always loved to work, but I've loved the evolution as an artist because she's really come into her own as an artist. And as a fellow artist, I really appreciate that. And I think the pinnacle of that has been Lemonade, the film, mm-hmm. the visual, the visual album. And um yeah, I think that was that's been the highlight for me. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the idea of you know celebrity and obsession and people who you know feel validated and people who define themselves by what they like. After I was reading the script and was thinking about different themes and issues and stuff, one of the things that I thought of was in in High Fidelity. Uh, John Cusack's character argues that it's not what you like, but what you are like that matters. Or might he actually that might be flipped. He might have said it doesn't matter what you are like, but what you do like that matters. Because his argument is that movies and books and cultural things, this is what, yeah, that's what actually matters. And I guess are things. Why is it that things tend to become more divisive and toxic as opposed to, hey, we have this sort of thing in common. Why can't it bring us together? Why couldn't a Rihanna support group get along with a Beyonce support group? Oh, definitely. I mean, there's, you know, there's more comedy in in uh, yeah, you know, and, confrontation, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of what I, I wanted to to play up. Um, but absolutely. And I also think that we, you know, we chose a, a subject who is very inclusive, um, yeah. especially to her community, um, but also to, you know, to her entire fan base. And that's what makes it so funny is because yeah. we're choosing to spotlight someone who, you know, would never approve of, of you know, any of this. So um, that's kind of where the comedy lies as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be as funny. I don't think we would have succeeded as a comedy sketch if, um, if we didn't get that, if we didn't believe that everyone can exist and everyone can be successful and there doesn't need to actually be this conflict. Because we get that, we could make fun of it, I think. Mm-hmm. 
by the way, I, I fully understand that there's nothing better for people who've made something funny than to explain why something is funny. I know that's that's <laughs> absolutely your favorite thing to do. So Jack doesn't have a I'm sense of humor. I'm just going to go and put my foot in my mouth over here. Thank you. Great. <laughs> You're welcome again. The best jokes are the ones you have to explain. Yeah, uh, obviously. That. Of course. Oh, yeah. man. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jack, if you'd like me to explain any of the jokes that just happened <laughs> in the course of that episode, you just let me know. No, I think we're cool. Uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, the the uh, ad lib and improv element to when this was in production. I don't remember reading anything in the script about the one guy, like, giving Michelle's character, like, a foot massage or something. Oh, as, yeah. As what she was, was freaking that about? Out. That was a uh, <laughs> quirk of the character, I think. <laughs> That's not it a very good of, therapist. It was actually something, though, that he did in the rehearsal – and I think, uh, Conrad, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were like, no, 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 do that. That's great. And that adds another <laughs> d- dimension of weird onto yes. everything that's happening right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was he was um, phenomenal to work with because he, you, you know, he definitely appreciated everyone's boundaries, his fellow actors' boundaries. He said, is this okay? He had an impulse and he didn't exactly um, just dive in and make someone else feel uncomfortable. It was cleared first. And I went, no, I love it. Let's keep it. <laughs> I did love really the strong definition of character through the portrayals of these, because of course, if it's a therapy group setting, you might be able to get away with just kind of like putting, for lack of a better word, basic nondescript people into the roles. Just like randos. Right. But it seemed like all of the Mm -hmm. actors really brought a clear uh, sense of character self with them. And is that something that you guys had in mind for each character or did it show up during casting? I think it was both. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I th- uh, the actors absolutely brought their A game and and brought choices that we had never planned on. Uh, but also, yeah, in the writing and development of the script, it was important to us to diversify the cast Definitely. and to um, just show that anyone can fall under this obsession mm. um, and how funny <laughs> that could be to see the different variations of that Mm -hmm. exactly because if you put in stereotypical beyonce fans all around the room it would just be like oh okay that's funny but if you if you put in a wide array of different ages and in different you know colors and everything then it can now it's you know kind of it's just immediately more intriguing Mm -hmm. um what do you guys think is next for this series is are you just planning on having this kind of be a showpiece for the transmedia production company or is there anything specific that you want to do with it next well, Misconnections um, wrapped. So we have a nine episode uh, season one and each of the sketches are different. Um, and we had the final one was a was a live show that was kind of like a watch what happens live and uh, kind of like goes in on why we created the show um, and what our plans are for the future. And um, I've been writing ever since. Um, and basically for the, the first season, I wrote 10 episodes and I shot 10 episodes and for the next season, um, because there's so much content, I actually want to write a lot more than I did before. I want to write it a lot fatter and then, you know, film the, the stuff that still speaks to me yeah. uh, when, we, when we get to that production time. You know, that reminds me of Heighton Davidson. We had a writer on the show a couple mm. of weeks ago who wrote a short and we talked about all of the different content that she had put in there, the themes, the experiences kind of the arcs and she said the same thing she was like you know what I just had to get this out and what I would rather Mm. do is have all this content that speaks to me and edit it down to what it really is Mm. than to start with something Mm. thin at the beginning right so initially it was born out of like great we need some content I have content 
and now I can be a little choosier about what I what I put out there, you know. But also, you know, at the same time, there's a sense of urgency because things are, you know, immediately trending and immediately popular, and then right. they drop off. So it's also picking the things that are that are lasting concepts. So I think for that, I mean, by some stroke of luck, I think so many of the the topics that we discuss in the first season, you know, Beyonce, gay marriage, the 2016 election. Um, political correctness. Um, you know, we have a like a Stranger Things um, episode. You know, they're all kind of concepts that are, are still relevant today, and um, that that hold up. So I think that would be my my litmus test for any content, further content that I put out there. Mm-hmm. That's a, I didn't even think about that the, the 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 quick turnover nature of things, and you know, whatever sort of twenty four hour news cycle that you're talking about. It yeah, that's a weird amount of pressure, but also like holy cow, if you hit it, you could really really hit it. Definitely. And, and that, that gave that this first season a, a lot of urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and Conrad still lived in New York through most of the filming. So I, I used him right up until he packed his bags for L.A. Nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm glad that you as guys... As an actor and as a director. Um, wearing all the hats that you can get your hands on. Heck yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, because all, and because also now that you've produced this thing and you've had like a stable of actors and stuff and people that you've worked with, A, from before that you brought in, but maybe you met some new people and now this is a, this is like, it's a, a living organism that can keep growing the more you feed it. And especially on the web series kind of platform, you know, it's all online. It's all very accessible and very immediate, mm-hmm. just like our news mm. cycle, just like popular culture. The challenge, I think, is to cut through the noise Mm -hmm. and to and what is it that's going to make your content different? Because we're so saturated with with content from independent storytellers and, um, you know, uh, creators. And so we have a, a unique opportunity in the fact that we can all put forth all this content. But we also have a unique challenge in the fact that, like, you have to make it stand out. Right. Well, you know, to all those Beyonce lovers in the world, I'm mm-hmm. sure this will speak to them enormously. And maybe to those that also are going to therapy groups. There could be a crossover <laughs> yeah, here as well. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh. It's universal. Well, if we, some... all, we all have our struggle. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, though, that is very, very true. Have you guys gotten any backlash from like actual Beyonce fans that are mad about this? No, I've gotten more. Oh, my gosh. I relate with. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Or consider adding this to, you know, to the next version of the of, of the, the story. Sketch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could be like an ongoing Beyonce therapy group where they just film new episode, oh, wow. episode, episode, yeah, episode. Yeah, just a, a running sketch. Stuff. That's the, yeah. I mean, the, that the sort of recurring sketches and stuff. That's definitely a thing in, in comedy. Yeah. It could very well crop up in a second season. That's oh, a great that's idea. so fun. Oh, I love that. I do, too. I mean, I'm still getting over Coachella. So it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, do you mean Beachella or Coachella? I'm, I'm so sorry, Christian. That's what I meant. Be, Beachella. Yes, thank you. Okay. My, my apologies. That's okay. Uh, well, if somebody also, was... shout out uh, to the other artists at Coachella. No, it's just Beachella. You're right. Uh, if somebody's looking to get in touch with you guys to work with you or to experience some of your other stories, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, absolutely. Uh, it would be to to check out the website, um, mfmtransmedia.com. And also, if they want to reach out personally, uh, it's christian at mfmtransmedia.com. You can find me on my website, conradlebron.com. I'm an actor, uh, acting coach, and director, and writer. I mean, look, I wear a lot of hats. And yeah, there's links all through there, my email and everything. 
Um, I'm based in LA. I'm actually heading off to Australia at the end of this month to hold acting workshops around the country Fun. before I come back mid-September. Mm-hmm. So then I'll be ready to work. So then he'll be ready uh, here in the U.S. to star yes. in all of your shows, yeah. listeners. And for anyone listening, too, who's moving to New York from the Midwest, I know exactly what that feels like and what that, you know, how that goes. So I'd be more than happy to, to speak with anyone who's on that journey. You are so nice. Yeah, you could offer a, like a, a Midwest to New York support group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Actually, there's a lot of Midwestern content that, that I might use. So yeah, that's so funny. Uh, and so and obviously we have uh, the script for Beyonce Anonymous up on scriptshopshow.com slash scripts. But also, since we do have the, the, you clued us into the YouTube video, the the public listing for it, is it cool if we put the link up for that as well? I wish that you would. Great. Awesome. So you can check them both out. I love being able to see what the written script was and then see the, the few subtle changes that happen once things go into production. Definitely. I just hope it's uh, it's you know not a letdown. You know, like how you go from the from the book to the film version. <laughs> I think you're good. That, that's the only hope is that it's like yeah, they nailed it. <laughs> I think for sure you guys did. Uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. So that's uh, that's Conrad LeBron and Christian Schulte, and uh, there we go. Beyonce. Do you Be- have a favorite Beyonce song? I mean, I don't have a, a, fa- a Beyonce song that I don't like. I do like, what's the one where she's breaking up with the guy and his stuff's to the left? I don't know. What are you talking about? you got to no, help me out here. Why are you asking me this question? Because I have a favorite from when we listen, when we watched that music video in here together that one day. Oh, yeah, that was the Carters. Yeah, idols. What? That was the, the ape shit one. Yeah. Wait, was it? Is that the one where they are talking about being idols and they're in, like, MoMA and stuff? Well, they're at the, they're at the Louvre. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. I was thinking it was in New York. Mm-mm, no, there. That's them. That's that's her and Jay at the Louvre. You can see how good I am at Beyonce. <laughs> well, I'm too addicted to myself. That's Obviously. the thing. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> an Allison support group for me. Well, that's what. <laughs> that's what th- funny because it's like it's it doesn't help anything. Well, what do you think right? Frank and I do after the tapings? <laughs> we got to go to our own meeting. <laughs> Frank, you have some material prepared for our Allison support group after this, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, mm. Uh, so if uh, you have a uh, material prepared that uh, you've written into script form <laughs> that you would like to uh, share with us, you can certainly do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit and also uh, Film Freeway. You can look us up on there and uh, submit your work that way. That is how uh, Christian and Conrad found us. That's right. And um, we would love to hear what you have to say. If you're interested in connecting with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, please do. On Twitter, I am your bestie, Westy. On Twitter, I'm at Script Shop Jack. Um, and until next week, friends, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by Bensound.com. Outro music by Purple-Planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Script Shop Show.